0: Puts on the step, goes right through, puts on the step again. Oh go Freddy! That was magnificent stuff! Well, he shall not believe them. Marshall
1: skips away, Marshall skips away, Marshall's still going! Mallens opens up again! Oh look at him go! He beats O'Davis on the outside! Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Voluntary Tackle. The only NRL podcast which encourages rugby league sabbaticals focused on brainwashing babies. You found me, Big T, the rugby league podcast version of a pitch hitter. On today's show, we'll be discussing our origin highlights, rooster retirements, high shots, and how the average fan actually watches NRL. But first, on the batting lineup with me in the Sports Best Friends Studios Stadium tonight is the most level headed rooster fan this side of Politis' boardroom. It's Sandra Rosotto. Welcome, sir. Good to be here, mate. Now, do you chase the fastball inside, or, or do you like the more up and in? I, I prefer the more up and in. You know, I, I,
2: like, I like to, to um, I like to have the opportunity to go straight to the head.
1: <laughs> right. And with us in the dugout is Manly's most forward thinker this side of the Four Pines Park. Welcome to the Plates Media Watch, Mario.
0: Uh, thank you, indeed. I've I've had quite the weekend.
1: Well, you also seem like the kind of guy who chased the knuckleball right to the dirt. Am I right about that? I. Uh,
0: Not knowing exactly what that means, let's say sure.
2: (laughs) This is heavy on the baseball terminology early on in this rugby league (laughs) podcast. I mean, I usually cop a lot for for rugby union, but, uh, you know, like there are some common themes there at least.
1: (laughs) And they're they're all working class sports of some nature and they're, you know, brutal and and weird. Uh, Our fearless uh, team manager, Eamon Brown, is still busily parenting and only has enough time for a quiz show these days. Uh, But regardless... Xander, please tell us what happened for you this long weekend. Uh, look, mostly I just um, I spent
2: uh, all three days of it rewatching
1: uh, the Blues
2: emphatic victory over the Maroons. To be honest, that, that <laughs> and obviously slightly having you know uh, palpitations and almost a stroke of watching the Roosters, um give up a thirty to
1: four point lead to almost go down to the Titans. But you know, other than that, nothing terribly eventful. So a lot of masturbating and then um, shameful, shameful masturbating. Okay, great. And then... Uh, Absolutely. I think Maria, I came speak- blue, actually. <laughs> no, <laughs> Sorry. No, it, no, I enjoyed it. Uh, not that so I saw it. it. Uh, Mario, how were you masturbating this weekend? Uh,
0: not so much of that. Um, I had some different things on my mind or on my whatevers over the weekend. <laughs> um,
1: on your I- search history?
0: I I drove the many hundreds of kilometers with my eight-year-old daughter um, down the coast on Friday for the intention of going to a concert to see her favorite band, a a mob that probably no one's heard of, called Teenage Jones, uh, in support of Amy Shark, uh, somebody whom many may have heard of. Um, So they announced this tour months ago, and it was at Kudos Bank Arena. Yep, all good, no worries. Uh, but then about six weeks ago, Teenage Jones on Facebook announced their own headline act with some randoms supporting them.
1: And Ooh. that was going
0: to be at the Enmore Theatre. And so I got in my head Enmore Theatre. So I've we, we've spent the night down in Albion Park, just south of Wollongong, if, you, if it, people don't know it. And then that on the Saturday, we've driven up to the Enmore. We've got there with enough time to spare. We've walked around that area a little bit. I bought her some oh, dinner. No. Bought her some dinner. I queue up at the front of the end mall. Curious why there's a sign for wolf mother at the front, but think, oh, there must be I only thought there was one room there, but maybe there's another one. I've only been to the end mall once, so I might have been misremembering. Yeah. Oops, they informed me that no Amy Shark is playing at Kudos Bank Arena. I of course swore very loudly which shocked my eight-year-old daughter who does not hear that sort of thing made her poor little tiny legs run all the way back to our car, which was probably a good kilometre away. Um, Then not broken too many laws getting to Kudos Bank Arena because of double demerits. We race in there to discover that Teenage Jones had finished about a minute ago as we got inside. Um, As we were approaching... You were the worst dad ever. Well, as we were approaching Kudos Bank Arena, I said to her, darling, we might not make it on time if we don't, how can I make this up to you? And she said, you can put $100 in my bank account. I said, deal. So I put $100 in her bank account. Unbelievable. And And they say, money can't buy you, love. Apparently it can. And I still, of course, owe her tickets to Teenage Jones, but I can't take her to the the headline act, because even though they're a pair of teenagers, apparently, because they only won Unearthed High on Triple J last year, they are playing at an over-18s gig, which makes perfect sense.
2: I've got a The story's rather similar to that from about 10 years ago. It was an even bigger stuff up, but it wasn't actually my fault. But um, I had this ex-girlfriend of mine um, who was looking to do a master's degree at Bond University. And anyway, it seemed that they were, you know, doing this uh, open day big thing, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, we are both living in Sydney at the time. Um, And so, you know, she goes, yeah, I'm going to go up to the Gold Coast to check out this open day of theirs. And, um, you know, would you like to come with me? So I went up with her. We sort of planned to go up for a few days. Anyway, she goes up to the university and turns out um, they're hosting the open day in Sydney. <laughs> so we just gone to the Gold Coast. Oh, my and, God. And she planned it all. You know, it was nothing to do with me, but it was just hilarious to get there. And they're like, no, nah, actually, we're doing that in Sydney.
1: Wow.
0: Oh, that's fantastic.
1: Attention that's to detail. Wait, it's important. Did you have a great time, though, in the Goldie anyway, then?
0: It was... Oh, oh.
1: I don't know if I'd say I had a great
2: time. I had an interesting experience up there. It was, oh. You know, it's, it's a strange town. It's kind of like, it feels like it's been airlifted from, you know, one of the glitzier parts of LA. Everyone has bleached teeth and, you know, um, just, you know, they've got canals and weird things. It's, you know, palm trees everywhere. It's, it's a very strange, it's very unlike any other part of Australia.
1: Um, Mario, the only other thing that I can think about while you're running with your daughter is that you've been doing so much long distance running that you are streaking ahead of her as well the poor of girls trying to keep up while you stride ahead effortlessly. Were you at least trying to like stay with her?
0: Yes, I was definitely, I'm very aware that she is not the runner that my five-year-old son is, so he would have been able to, <laughs> he would have been determined to keep up with me every step of the way, whereas she she was doing her best because she wanted to get there for the band and, you know, that was her first ever concert. Now, mind you, she really, really loved Amy Shark. She only knew a few of her songs at the time, but now she got right into the concert and absolutely loved it. Um, on the topic of my running, also since we've recorded, I did... Of course, complete the marathon that I had planned, and immediately afterwards, in the emotion and the pain and all that sort of stuff, I said, "No, definitely, never doing it again." Of course, by the next day, I'd already arranged for the next marathon that I was doing because that's how—that's how silly people work.
1: I feel—I feel like it's important for me though to also tell you a ridiculous story um, about fucking something up, just so I'm part of the gang. I—I um, <laughs> uh, I also. Uh, was going to go to the Enmore Theatre. I was going to go see The Hives, for anyone who cares. And uh, and I was meeting a girl across the road at her house. She also lived on Enmore Road because her mum had a Thai massage um, parlour on Enmore Road. She told me they <coughs> also lived um, uh, where she worked. So I was like, okay. Uh, she, told, I, she always pointed it out so I knew where the, the Thai place was. And so I went to go to her house, uh, went to the massage parlour, saw that there was a door next door, went up those stairs, uh, knocked on the door, a, a small... 50 year old uh, Thai lady greeted me. I assumed that was her mum, And I said, hi, is Cindy there? And she said, Cindy, Cindy, oh, I go and check. And then she went back and checked. I then stepped in uh, and saw that there was a lot of lewd photos um, all over the uh, reception, which I thought was of course unusual to have in someone's house. And then the lady came back and said, yes, I have Cindy, Cindy is ready for you. And I realized that I was obviously in a brothel and that I uh, didn't want to be there and meet Cindy. And so ran down the stairs. Um, and called her immediately and said, what the fuck? Why do you live in a brothel? And she said, no, I live behind the massage parlour, not above it. So there's my end uh, more story for you, Mario. <clears throat> now, we did talk about ha- happy endings. And I want to go to Rugby League Christmas, uh, which was, of course, state of origin. Xander, where did you watch Rugby League Christmas?
2: Uh, so I just, I just uh, did the traditional thing, uh, caught up with a bunch of uh, mates after work and watched at the uh, pub in the city um and yeah i think uh, we were all a little bit nervous before the game and probably for about the first 10 to 15 minutes um and yeah just it just went much more pleasantly than i think we all expected i mean everyone always sort of talks about how much um you know like how good we look on paper but uh last year they sort of uh, uh pulled our pants down a little bit um and yeah i think there's always that nervousness as a new south welshman that um Uh, that they could do it again. But it was just with every single try, New South Wales just seemed to be getting more and more in their rhythm. And yeah, I mean, the the three fullback system is is definitely one I think they're going to hold on. (laughs) to.
1: Yeah. And I appreciate you tying in my uh, Cindy story with the pulling our pants down uh, analogy as well. (laughs) It was good. Did um, the people that you watched it with, because I'm going to hope to get to um, the average punter and and who watches rugby league later, but the people who you went with after work, are they the kind of, uh, rugby union loving people that you often bring up with Eamon or are they um, are they general peripheral fans and they just really like state of origin or, or are they you know quite quite sturdy uh, rugby league fans? So I thought of a couple of guys who are who are very big rugby league fans but they're also um, quite
2: big general sports fans. Um, right. You know, like they are like punters so they watch everything. Well one of them in particular is um, so he watches everything because he has he has something riding on everything. Uh, so he's a big fan of the NFL, the NBA, the EPL, <laughs> and, you know, yeah, even watches right. super rugby and, 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 you know, the, ba- the baseball. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they're, they're all general sports fans, but, um, he's a huge, like, one of them's a really big Raiders fan. The other one's a, a um, somewhat lukewarm
1: Broncos fan and they watch quite a bit of it. I think le- lukewarm Broncos fan is probably the only way you can find any Broncos fan at the moment. Mario, where did you end up watching it, sir?
0: The origin, just before, I just want to assure, reassure that anybody, any fellow How I Met Your Mother's fans, that each time that um, Xander has said general sports fans, I of course saluted and repeated in my head general sports fans. Um, I (laughs) simply watched it from the comfort of my own home and I, with the kids asleep nearby, I, I tried to keep my yelling and screaming celebrations. To a minimum, but I didn't always succeed. I think I woke them both up at least a couple of times because I was rather enjoying the way that game was going. Surprisingly enough, I already
1: heard Xander telling us about how uh, the colour of his gears. But you must have been absolute paprika level with Tommy Throbovich, absolutely having his way with the entire state of Queensland.
0: I mean, I certainly didn't. Mi- I certainly didn't mind that aspect of it. I was just. Each time he'd just do something, of course, just holding my breath, like, please just don't get injured. That's all I really care about for Tommy. Is just don't
1: get <laughs> the, the three fullback thing really did work because because Trave- Terrell was um, incredible. Throbovich was incredible. Tedesco, incredible. Was that it, though? Or was it also the halves having an incredible time? But what, what, what are you putting it down to, Mario?
0: Oh, look, both halves were genuinely incredible and... I think, you know, if Latrell and Tommy hadn't been there, then both would have been a genuine shout to be man of the match. They were both so goddamn good when the same goes for Brian. Um, you know, they, they were just both amazing, genuinely so. So there's not much else you can say in, in response to that. They were, the three fullback system works great when, when two of the fullbacks are Latrell and Tommy, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and I mean, they're legitimately... Tommy, I think we said on the last episode, Tom Trobavich Throb- could easily be the best player in the game. Tedesco is lauded as the best player of the game. Uh, Luttrell, when, when firing, is the best co- player in the game. So it makes a lot of sense. But do you think... You said, what are you going to say? But I really think what you should say is is an apology to um, Tarek oh, Sims. Tarek Sims. Tarek yeah. Sims. Tarek Sims had a blinder. i, I got to admit, I was I was
2: sceptical of him as well. I think a lot of people were. I thought, oh, Tarek Sims, is he, what has he done so far? But he, he was close to our best forward. <laughs> I mean, he just, he was um, in their face, aggressive, and then like putting on great plays too. Like that, that pass out to Brian Toll and, you know, Mario, it's not very hard to make a glottal stop. I will just point, put it out there that we should be comfortable with Polynesian names at this point. But yeah, um, he was unbelievable.
0: <laughs> yeah, Maria. Uh, I, I I should be extremely ashamed, etc.
1: <laughs> now, but, and also, can you please have a go of Famasuilawi um, because I always fuck it up.
0: Famasu.
1: I'm asking you, Maria.
0: Famasu. No, now I've got nothing. I've said it a million times, and now yes, I'm
1: fine. <laughs> this is this is my life. anytime I'm recording it, I know. Any oh. I get, have to record Tino's name, I fuck it up. I, I talked over you. Go again.
0: I said Farmer
1: Suwalawi. No, that doesn't sound right, does it? No, it doesn't sound right either. Uh, I didn't think uh, Tino had a particularly good game. In fact, New South Wales played, played really well, but there wasn't anyone in Queensland who looked like they were going to turn that around, which is often um, what their 5'8 does. I'm going to pretend that I'm doing an Eamon quiz when I can't remember people's names. You need months to get points. Munster, months. Months, so thanks. I thought he was the kind of guy who's going to... I mean, he normally is the kind of guy who breaks everything apart. Why was he so quiet, Eamon? Xander, Xander. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Uh, look, he, he was quiet because they just
2: were um, completely shut down in the middle. Uh, New South Wales swamped him, put a lot of pressure on him. He didn't get, they, they weren't breaking the advantage line. Um, you know, New South Wales got pinged five to one uh, on rack infringements. And I think maybe, you know, if we're being charitable and saying that uh, Queensland were just perfect in that area, um, which I don't think they were, uh, you would say that part of the reason New South Wales got pinged was that our, our defence was. was Smothering and aggressive the entire time, and they just denied him space. It was simple as that. And you know, you could see he was getting frustrated. He was doing his uh, classic um, manoeuvre of kicking guys when he's down, when they're down, <laughs> which he, which he, which he, which he pulled out again over the weekend, um, playing the Warriors when he was winning. Funnily enough, he was he's well ahead on the scoreboard and 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 still found the opportunity to to stick the boot into somebody whilst they were lying
1: prone and helpless on the ground. Just classy bloke. <laughs> Now, uh, eighty-six geek tweeted, "Woke up really early this morning, about five ten a.m. Or is it Stone in Queensland? Fifty to six. Uh, fantastic tweet." Mario also made sure that I saw it, so I, Mario, I appreciate that. And uh, Mario Zando, very sensibly, just brought up the the set restart, and and you wanted to quickly touch on refereeing during State of Origin.
0: Uh, I I just thought it interesting that the head, you know, there was a few high shots. That got ignored. That certainly were penalties in during the round. And there's few high shots that were certainly sin bins during a regular round that just got a penalty. And you know, uh, at what point? I mean, they've always done it with Origin, so maybe they can figure they can justify it. But surely, if the whole point of the crackdown is to avoid the NRL getting sued, well, in Origin, when people are trying harder. Pushing harder and therefore getting more fatigued, are they not more likely to do something that then leads to somebody getting an injury and therefore suing the NRL down the track? I, I, I'm, I think the way that it was refereed was fine from my point of view, but from the point of view of the whole purpose of the crackdown, I'm confused how they can justify not following those same rules that have been, you know, they've been all about the last what three or four weeks or whatever to suddenly just not do them. It just, just
1: doesn't make sense to me. You see it the same way as Andy. You see the the whistle put away a bit during the origin game.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I probably uh, I agree with I agree with everything that um, uh, that Marius just said there. I, um, Which is amazing in time, itself for, <laughs> for normal <laughs> listeners of the show. That's an amazing statement. Which is yeah, it, it is. But um, uh, <laughs> like, I do think um, like I think I think the game was also played at a frenetic pace, and generally, there actually weren't as many high contexts, but there were a couple of really blatant ones. And and I thought the, um, the late hit, who was it on, on uh, Latrell, just as he p- shuffled the ball on uh, to To'o. Um, yeah. uh, but uh, it was, you know, that, that was a sin bin, you know, or potentially a send off back in, back in magic round. And, and we had this lengthy debate about whether or not this was a shocking turn of affairs where, you know, they were, they were just marching everyone left, right and centre. And I do think that, um, you know, they've undermined, their own credibility and their own authority uh, by backpedalling on this. Uh, like Origin was a great spectacle um, and, and played at a frenetic pace uh, regardless of the, the contact but I think that they just needed to be consistent and show that they had the stomach to to maintain those rules. L- like I said, you know, I went through the exact same experience a few years ago when they did this like the same rugby union and um, it's a complex issue, high contact uh, that isn't just about, you know, the players who are tackling it's also about the t- tacklers, but um, if they're serious and they have to they have to uh, go after the uh, the negligent um, dangerous contact
1: mm. and what how are you feeling then outside of that in clubland as well then are you feeling that it's since magic round it's gone down a bit more since then or, or? Yeah, well, it definitely has. I was messaging Aim, and I was like, "Man, it's safe to come back
2: and uh, and, and watch the game again because we know that he's been frustrated watching it." Um, when I was watching the Risers game, because Proctor um, basically coat hanged Joey Manu on the weekend and just copped a uh, penalty. It was it was like a sin. It wasn't. It was potentially a send off. It's magic round, um, or if it's rugby union, like they they would they probably read Kaji for that. Mm. Um, and then, you know, later in the game, uh, sort of rather, you know, bizarrely, they then gave, uh, 10 in the bin for a, a clumsy attack at a kick where he turns his back in the air and he, he clips, um, the Titans player, um, you know, with his elbow and it's a glancing sort of, you know, slight you know, touch, but there's no intent there. But he went to the bin for 10 minutes, um, a clear, negligent, dangerous, High shot didn't in the first half. It was much more, um, you know, which had a, a higher risk profile. I would, I would argue. And then, you know, after that game, you saw the ridiculous uh, sin bin in the um, uh, the, the Raiders and uh, Broncos game. So it feels like it's been very patchy. Like they've been trying to find tune, but they just haven't quite worked out where the balance on balance. If you go hard and make a statement, you, you have to hold your nerve and just keep doing it that way until you know, until, until you get the effect you're after, you can't just, you can't, you can't walk back. Otherwise you, yeah, you just completely see all your authority to to the players and the fans.
1: Now, Mario, the NRL has been quite famous for, for coming out hard at particular times and then, and then moving back. But would you say that it's completely moved back or would you say at the moment that it is just uh, inconsistent with, with how often people get to see sent off for these high shots?
0: I feel like it is edging back. I don't think it's completely back, but I do feel like it's not quite where it was. Maybe that's a good thing. I personally don't think so. I was, as I think I'd said, apart from a couple of the overreaction calls where there was, you know, sin bins for where people fell into them, and there's literally nothing a player can do about it. I've been quite happy with the crackdown, and I think it's, you know, been done the right way. So. It makes it a really tough one. Do I want them to back off it a little bit and stuff? I, I just want them to pick, have the line they're going to have and make sure they bloody stick to it is what they really need to do. Mm. Gotta, they've got to stand firm.
1: Is it coming down to personalities within refereeing? I know a few years ago when they first did the the big penalty crackdown where they said anytime you see a penalty, you've got to blow it. And that and that meant we had games that had huge amounts of penalty counts. and And that was... Matt Chechen was famous for doing 23 or something like that over uh, the first half with Melbourne versus Cronulla. And that's because he he was a person against that crackdown saying there was, there's a thousand penalties. Our job isn't to pull all the penalties. It's to try and actually by talking to the players and communicating with them. And he said, okay, well, I'll show you what I mean. And then he went out and, you know, blew the pee out of the whistle. Is this again, are we seeing maybe referees personalities leaking through Sander with, um with how this has been, Played or like some of them could. Could you imagine some of them aren't in favour of this, or some of them are, not so some of them doing it to how PVL wants it, and some of them aren't. Is, is that where the inconsistence come from? Yeah, I mean, I, I suspect like every 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 referee's got a, a slightly different style
2: and take on these things. I mean, you do you do um, you know have to assume, of course, that there, there is an an edict being sent from up on high, the referees' bosses, that, that gives them direction for these games, but they are going to have the individual. Styles. I mean, we've seen Ben Cummins as a very specific style where, um, you know, uh, he um, he does seem to, uh, I, like, I feel he's probably one of the more inconsistent referees in the game, um, has trouble making his mind up. Um, we benefited from that, I won't lie, but, but he's, <laughs> he's had his difficulties over the years. Um, and whereas others, yeah, I think are... Uh, Probably uh, more inclined to let the game flow and don't want to blow the whistle as much. So uh, there's an element of that, but that's that's a job for the referees' boss to, to try and bring everyone in line, into line. So they
1: they have you know their form supports their narrative. Right. Well, I did mention magic round before, and there is nothing more magical um, than seeing a player like Brett Morris or Boyd Cordner lifting trophies for New South Wales or Australia. Jake Friend, as well as we know, was a, a great player and <clears throat> has been. Put in a retirement village um, that the Roosters have just been susceptible to. In fact, one thing I will say, Gus Gill tweeted was, congratulations to at Sydney Roosters, Lloyd Corner on an outstanding career, club, state and country, a real warrior and leader. Even more heartening is the news that he's passed all medical tests and the future prognosis is excellent, um, which is fantastic news. So how have the Roosters fan base at large felt um, with so many leaders and legends having their mouth guard thrown in the bin this season? Uh, I
2: think if you look, if you look at the social media reaction, most people are obviously um, saddened by the the number of players who've been forced to uh, to retire this year um, due to to injuries. Uh, you know, two uh, specifically due to head knocks. Um, but I also think that everyone's just really proud of, of the way the club has managed it, um, and the, the fact that um, they have put the health of these guys like above everything else. They, I think, they've. There's a really respectable um, amount of perspective within the leadership uh, at, at the Roosters that you know, does look at these guys um, and you know, how the game will impact their entire lives. Um, and doesn't want to just, you know, look for a short-term gain, just to just to win a, you know, a few more games in in one particular year. And that was a comment that a few people have sort of made: is that, given the amount of injuries they've had, some clubs might have been tempted to bring Boyd back and just ask him, look, "Can you at least push on this year?" But they haven't, um, and they've they've, you know, let him make this decision. Um, so no, I think I think the overall uh, response and sentiment has been one of sort of. Sadness,
1: but also of of, of uh, respect and pride in the way it's been managed he um during his pref conference I, I noticed that when asked about what he was most proud of or, or a question similar to that he said that he could call himself a rooster and and it's incredible how emotional and serious I can sound where completely out of context mm. it sounds ridiculous to say that I can call myself <laughs> a rooster it, you know it's it's bordering on comical' well, Anyone inside the rugby it, league fraternity knows how much that would mean to someone like him, and 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 what an incredible job the club has done to create a culture where that's what someone would say when they're that emotional. It, it is in,
2: it it is incredible for those of us who uh, remember where the team was at in uh, the nineties. Um, you know, um, when were, when it was the club was sort of known as the Transatlantic. You know, it was a place where where you know uh, overrated players were bought um, for more than they were worth, and. And they kind of stopped through the club and just not performed very well. Uh, was, you know there was a terrible recruitment policy at the time. We we cycled through um, you know names to to get our like to, to maintain our survival. You know different models and all kinds of things. And like there was a really precarious time there during Super League War where you know wasn't certain the club was going to survive. They they considered merging with St George at one point. Um, you know all kinds of crazy things happened. So to, to, to have gone from that to this, you know, the incredible um, structure that they have in place now um, to the point where you've got these sort of one club legends like Boy who will say that at the end of their career, that, you know, nothing makes him proud of being part of the organization just speaks volumes to the, to the, the evolution and the amount of work that's been done
1: to, to make it what it is today. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that, that period because really you had premierships essentially every decade and um, Except for from '75 to 2002, so that time there, you know, was a real, mm. uh, you know, a real a real troubling time for for you guys, and and to have a club like that pull itself out to a point where now it's been almost unstoppable, or, or at least up there for the last 30 years, and, and transitioning from Freddie from Freddie Fittler into another dynasty of players, it, it says a lot. But Mario, <clears throat> you're a sobering figure. How, how should we really be looking at the roosters' retirement of all these players? I, I know that. Maybe I don't know. I think that you're a person who also collects football cards or sometimes you and your kids do. And so I know when I looked at the page this year, four of the players that the Roosters have there um, are retired. You know, it's an incredible time. Is it worth celebrating outside of the medical thing? That's lovely the club did this. Are are these the kind of players that we should be celebrating or is this the kind of thing all clubs do and the Roosters just get more media? What's your feeling?
0: I I think it does seem to be more the Roosters do this stuff. (laughs) I don't know if that is or isn't the case, but and as you say, it could just be the media. But I have always, for for a, in the couple last couple of years, certainly felt like the Roosters deserve to be applauded for that, for the way they handle injuries, but in specifically concussions. Other teams have, you know, certainly hung on to players longer than they should have, and who knows? It might turn out that the Roosters hung on to. People like Friend and Corden too long. I really hope it doesn't turn out to be the case with Luke Carey, who's had a bunch of concussions. Um, mm. but that that does concern me. But at least you'd think, like, surely, surely the right medical people are looking and are making, helping make that decision. And you know, I think for the sake of the NRL and for the Roosters, you'd hope that they've made him sign off a million times on he's agreeing to continue playing and that sort of thing, because. You know, if it goes wrong, because, of course, the best medical people in the world, to my very limited understanding of how CTE works, is it's absolutely impossible to diagnose until they're dead, basically. And
1: Fuck, yeah, right.
0: We don't want these guys to have to be dead and then find out, holy shit, look at that.
1: Yeah, and I'm not a fancy doctor, but that was... (laughs) It's just a screaming Eagles thing for you, Amy. Oh, Z- well. uh, I'm, uh, oh fuck, Mario. So, I was hoping you uh, you would like that. The uh, okay, I'm gonna move off that unless there's some other you know, heartwarming tributes, Andy, you want to give to those fallen players. I do I think, I think I've waxed lyrical long enough, and you know, I'm probably gonna make the non Rooster fans listening to the podcast that'll see if I go on any longer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I asked the punters how much uh, league they watch and they got back to us. Uh, now I want you to first of all have a guess um, where you are, but I don't want you to tell me your watching rate yet because i have i have a weird well i have a great selection of people i want you to kind of align yourself to so i asked um do you a watch all eight nrl games watch a few games per round just watch your team don't watch much nrl at all uh mario which one do you think got the most amount of percentagesness
0: i would guess that most people are watching two to three games a week tops
1: okay so you think the most amount was in that one and xander uh, what are you vibing yeah no i'd assume the same i mean there'd, there'd be some people who just
2: watch their team all eight is for very serious people and i would say probably serious gamblers but most people don't
1: have <laughs> you know
2: like most people don't have 16 hours over the weekend uh, just to watch
1: well obviously xander's talking about his own uh experiences because his friends are all massive gamblers and watch all sports and so that's why he thinks anyone who would watch all eight is a massive gambler and i and I sincerely hope that uh, if you are, that you're getting help. Um, no, look, you'd be surprised. Mario, uh, you were both right. Watching a few games around was 48%. But very close behind that was 38% was watching all eight games. Wow. Um, and then, Interesting. Yeah, I was I was surprised so, by that now. When but, I started doing the podcast, I, I, I
2: went from watching Probably, you know, um, four or five other games trying to watch all, all eight games just because I felt like I needed to make sure <laughs> I had something to talk about when we were doing the, the rundown. But uh, up until then, like, you know, it's, it's a big time given I was pissing my wife off. So,
1: you know, <laughs> I, I imagine there's, there's a home life comp- uh, component of it is, is kind of where I, I get it. Yes. Now, without giving away too much more, I I now want you legends to... to, There were so many people who got into the threads detailing their response, which is so nice of them. Um, There was a range, which I just grabbed the best one. And I want you to to work out where you think is most like you, which one best describes you. So, on one end of the scale was at GT351 underscore Johns. He says, only my team and nothing else. No origin, no finals, no grand final, unless my team is there, which won't be for a while, so I guess... I just, I'll have a lot of free weekends. And that's an amazing response. No origin.
0: Look, if you've ever been unfortunate enough to, to follow GT351 underscore Johns, <laughs> um, the guy, his love for the Bulldogs is only surpassed by his hatred for the Sharks. So the fact that he doesn't hate watching the <laughs> Sharks game is a surprise to me, but the rest of it, nah, not a surprise. That guy is as obsessed uh Bulldogs fan as you would ever find anywhere in the whole world I would think he's he's crazy
1: I'm not expecting you to respond to all of them but Xander you did have something you wanted to quickly say about GT
2: I just find it interesting that anybody anybody would would hate origin like there's a few people um you know I've seen here and there that like a see it as an insult to the international game and I kind of understand that a little bit but um yeah, like it's just such a spectacle. I know I know,
1: Kiwi rugby fans and that will tune into Origin just because it's such a big spectacle. Yeah. Uh, so the next one is at NoShins81. He said, it depends on what we've got on plan for that weekend and who is playing, I would say on average, between four to six. And the next one is at Beer Boy 182 every game, but probably six of them the next day on a 20-minute mini uh, without knowing the score. Only my own team in full, live, or maybe some top four clashes in a pub. Now that one got a lot of dittos or things. Even this uh, friend mm. of the called Giannis of also agree with that one. At to Mister Hettich then said, "Before JDB returned, I watched every game. Now every game except the Dragons. <laughs> have you heard much about that? With people completely boycotting Dragons games? No, I must have been. I
2: haven't, haven't uh, heard about the boycotting Dragons games. I guess I can understand it from, from who
1: they hired as coach. But still, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then last one, a Cantillo." uh he said i tune in for all eight games so i pay more attention to it than others so out of those five or or so which one do you think you're most like xander do you think you're like acuntio mr hectic beer boy no Shins, or gt351 underscore johns i'd say at the moment
2: i'm probably um uh, falling into the category i can't remember which which um Name is assigned to which, but the the category of uh, I watch all games. Sometimes, apart from my team, I'll probably watch a few of them um, on delay or or as minis uh, the next day. Um, yeah, beer boy probably trying to yeah probably try and watch most of them live, but um, I'll you know I won't always get to watch them, so I'll, I'll do them the next morning or something. Mario,
0: I'm probably in between a uh, Cuntio and beer boy. I. On a, on a good weekend where I've got not much to do, I will watch, you know, say five, six games live. Um, but on a normal weekend, I'm probably, well, this weekend, I didn't watch a single game live. I watched the Manly one on delay later because I wasn't able to when it was on because I was, you know, visiting people and stuff. And and for obvious reasons, I was spent most of my weekend driving, so it wasn't. Yeah, just wasn't one of those weekends where I had the opportunities to watch all the games, but on a normal weekend, yeah, I'm watching probably five, six games, I think.
1: Now, I also love for anyone who's not on Twitter, I strongly encourage you to get on. It's not social media. not about bad place. you seem to follow the right people. And Mario and I uh, would know intimately uh, four out of those five people that I just listed. Sander quite sensibly uh, mentioned that he, he restricts his social media use um, in a day, which is very sensible. But... Have you met, I know that you've met everyone else there, I think, Mario, but at, at no Shins 81 do you know at NoShins at all?
0: No, I don't.
1: Yeah, neither did I. Well, I know him on Twitter, but I haven't met him unlike Beer Boy or Mr Hicknick or at Acuntio. Uh, okay, well, gentlemen, unless there's anything else, uh, I think I might wrap this up.
0: Longest part of the episode was my, was my story about myself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so one final thing that I suppose we should probably cover off on uh, is after 50 to six. Something uh, in their own home to probably their most home turf game they've ever played. Ooh, um, well said. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, break Astor went on and called it, you know, it was essentially like a home game, um, which was not accurate because it was played in the most, you know, uh, Northern <laughs> part of Queensland, the furthest yeah. and most difficult for any new South Welshman to get to. So yeah, it's orders of magnitude more a home game. Um, <laughs> not essentially one, but anyway, I'm being pedantic. Um, after that where do you go as queensland how i mean they're going to they're going to come back you know there's a lot of talk about the resurgence and all the rest of it but how do you shut down um there's been a lot of talk about you know trying to shut down turbo they've put too much effort on turbo then they're not putting that much um they're not putting putting that much attention on latrell and tedesco so what how how do they come back from this where do we see them going in, in game 2 Mario, you go first sir
0: I see them going straight to hell, which is where they deserve to be. <laughs> they're, they're not going to win, get over it. I mean, we said that last year and then we all know what happened, but they don't have Wayne this year. They, they've got an absolute clown of a coach who's been proven to be the complete fraud that he is. Right off Queensland, right off Origin, it's over. They'll, they'll, be, calling, they'll be calling for it to be over within the next couple of years because we're not w- losing for a while.
1: Now, Xander, did that cut out for you or is it just for me? It cut out for me too, but... Um, okay, great. So, well, so obviously was Zoom, yeah, well, obviously, yeah. it was Zoom just hearing Myron going, we don't need to hear this drivel. You're talking about, I'm assuming, without even knowing, I'm assuming you said something about they don't have a great coaching staff and so they'll die.
0: Basically so, yes.
1: Yeah, great. Uh, well, well, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I can only see the scoreline getting bigger and I can't wait for a 60-6 to 60 win next week. I also feel, Xander, that you may have given yourself away as the at-shit-brace says um person who runs that account with your you know real knowledge of what he, he says and how poorly he says it so uh maybe you're, you're I, limiting it your really jo- just on your own account not not so much on other accounts.
2: No I, I, I'm I'm really more just a, a silent admirer of that account than I did. Um, it was funny actually. <laughs> um like I, I posted my that reflection and, and it was immediately retweeted
1: and acted at the at
2: shit race says account. <laughs> Yeah, so, there, is yeah. A,
1: there is a real uh, pitchfork and, uh, and torch community out there on Twitter that, that loves Look, roasting at any opportunity.
2: i got to say, I, I hope they never fire him because it's like him and MG.
1: They're just an endless source of joy when it
2: comes to, you know, uh, mixed metaphors and ridiculous uh, ridiculous
1: gaps on, in commentary. Well, thanks again, Mario uh, and Xander. And until next episode, do what Mario does whenever he has a bad bake and cut off the edges. I guess when I really reflect on the comedic value of the sitcom Family Ties, I think the thing that really gets forgotten is the comedic brilliance of Michael Gross.